Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. And we are back with a bonus episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel. And I guess we're just going to have to keep doing this as long as they spring Tuesday award shows on us. I've never even said that sequence of words together before. It's bone chilling. Can I say the amount of people who I would normally watch the Globes or any award show with were texting me like, an hour before, confused that the Globes were happening last night. Imagine watching something at 5 p.m. on a weeknight. On that a is Tuesday. That is Sunday behavior. <laughs> it made no sense. And it also felt like, it felt like Hollywood in general didn't even shut down. I had like two generals yesterday. And like, no one seemed to care that the um, Globes were happening. I'm like, you're nominated. Yeah, you're, you should have responded with, do you understand? We're all at the Beverly Hilton right now. The, gr- the ghost of Merv Griffin is not pleased. Uh, the ghost of Whitney Houston, if you ask, Gerard Carmichael. Oh, that's right. Wow, that was uh, certainly a joke. A lot of things he said were certainly a joke. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to get into the Globes um, right away. Let's just start with Gerard Carmichael. I would say that his hosting for me was 50-50. I, I, you're right. I'm, I'm sorting through it because I'm glad he kind of brought the audience into his style, which runs a little slow. You know, if you watch, um, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, what's the name? Nathaniel. You know, it, it sort of draws you in. There's a conversational uh, kind of meditative vibe. That said, I would also call it a bit drab. And then eventually, yeah. I felt like the, the jokes that were at the celebrity's expense were too, it was too dismissive it was too not in the spirit of everyone being there in the room i'm not saying he has to be like super grateful to be there or like thrilled to be hosting the golden globes which is obviously tainted but it needed a little bit more like something more fun i don't know i will say that i appreciated that his jokes seemed to like be his jokes were like punching up for once as opposed Mm to ricky gervais like if ricky gervais was there there was no way Anna de Armas was leaving that stage without a Ben Affleck joke. Right, correct. That's true. You also, the, also uh, um, Ricky Gervais can't tell a joke without telling you how amazing it is that he told it, you know? Right. Um, so I appreciated that. I also appreciated, you know, the fact that he just sort of like, when certain people that he really liked came on stage, he was just sort of like, no, I really like this person's work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like there was a lot of support for artists at this Golden Globe ceremony, whether or not you were Gerard Carmichael or you were Colin Farrell just wanting to fuck Anna Darmus. That was a very interesting <laughs> aside. <laughs> and yet I'm not surprised I, he did it. I could have predicted it, I feel. I know it makes sense that he liked Blonde, to be honest. And um, also, I actually really appreciate this current era of Colin Farrell. He's still incredibly hot. Like, he's still, like, very, like, Irish and sexy and, like, but he has less of his, like, um, 
I guess we used the word sleazy yesterday when talking about people. I get, he he has less of his sleazy sex tape era Colin Farrell going on, right? Like it seems like he's matured into a sweeter Colin Farrell. Yeah, there's something about him physically going on where he's advancing into this August or August uh kind of Mark Rylance looking fellow. So it's sort of like, yeah. you know, th- th- there's just a, a new dignity of age uh, appearing on. It sounds like the, the kind of thing we don't say actresses have that I'm now saying he has. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, he's an amusing person. It's also nice to see him getting celebrated, I guess, for Banshees, because I would say that Colin Farrell's always been a very good actor, like a great actor, and I feel like he's always been sort of respected by the industry. But he's also an actor who obviously, like, took time to do movies, which I appreciate. Like, he did movies that people wanted to see and not an actor who just sort of, like, does um, Oscar bait every fucking year. You know, like, he's not not an Eddie Redmayne. Right, right. And, and by the way, this is for better and for worse. He also did like the Total Recall remake. Like it doesn't always work out. But he is the kind of person where when he comes up, people say, actually, he's always good in everything. And it takes you a second to realize that because the movies themselves can often be middling. I will always stand Phone Booth. I feel like that comes up a lot with him. I think Phone Booth is one of his top tier. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know, back to the hosting, I felt like the jokes were the jokes were funny i like his style some of them i just felt like were made to like make a punch oh but sure didn't really you know sort of land like i fully support a shelly miscavish joke uh, okay now i did love that it is interesting that finally someone makes a joke about scientology and shelly miscavish on tv the minute tom cruise does something right you know, like taking his Golden Globes away or like doing the back or whatever he did. Like, it's funny that that's what provoked it. Um, but I right, mean, he's in God. his like era where everyone is sort of like, we like Tom Cruise. We like Mission Impossible, et cetera. You know, like a few years ago, it would have been much easier to be to call him out about that. But no one ever did. Right, right, right. No. And, and if in a way, the fact that it took this long for someone to say something like that made it even better. So I was uh, pretty happy about that. But I do have to say, certain people stole the show from Gerard Carmichael, namely Regina Hall. Oh, I mean, we've already forgotten, you know, that she hosted uh, the... What did she host? She hosted the Oscars last year. The Oscars, yes, the Oscars <laughs> last year. That was so fucking long ago, right? And also, <laughs> nobody comes away from that Oscars being like, "Oh, the three female hosts really, you know, slayed." Yeah, but have her host every fucking thing. I there was the funniest moment of the show. Yeah, was obviously her presenting, and then. <laughs> Calling Kevin out, Costner. Uh, yeah. Calling out Kevin Costner. And I I love that because it also pierced that sort of fourth wall where, you know, like when people are always like, um, so-and-so couldn't make it to the awards um because they're doing whatever. You know, like Amanda Seyfried is um busy working on a new <laughs> musical. Yeah, deep in what was it? I forget the wording, but it made it seem like she was really down in the trenches working on a musical. She's writing Mamma Mia 3 herself, actually. <laughs> tick, tick, uh, boom, she, she's with, Mamma Mia 3. She's, yes. with, she's with Abba in the studio crafting new songs. <laughs> <laughs> she and Agnetha um, are in a fight right now, yes. <laughs> but Regina 
uh, was reading the excuse on the teleprompter as to why Kevin Costner couldn't be there. And she starts cracking up. And then when she gets through it, it's because Kevin Costner was sheltering in place in Santa Barbara due to the rain in California. And it's, I saw some, just like very few people were like, um, were being annoying about the joke, being like, you know, like people have died, you know, it's like the, the rain is serious. But I'm like, the joke wasn't at those people's expense. The joke was at the fact that Kevin Costner is sheltering in place in his mansion in Santa Barbara. Yeah, right. Just being safe, right. It, I mean, it's a little funny. Also, just the continued disbelief on her face. Like, it kept going on how funny it was. It kept hitting her. And then, therefore, it kept hitting us. It, she, she was so unpretentiously delivering her joy about that situation. It was just... I mean, she's obviously always extremely funny, but, like, she just is one of those people who has, like, talent on tap. It doesn't even look like she has to activate it. It just flies out of her. Uh, one of our favorite interviews. Yes, ever. lovely. You know, like she's so fucking funny. Um, the extra funny thing about the Kevin Costner sheltering in place thing is that he's in his like I'm starring in Yellowstone era, so you know appealing to conservatives yes. and you know that's like anti Hollywood liberal, etc. But like, what is more Hollywood liberal than sheltering in place? <laughs> yes, in, in your Santa, Santa Barbara, Barbara right. mansion. Right. Okay, come on, Mister Dances with Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of Kevin, actually, we didn't discuss this when we talked about I Want to Dance with Somebody. The oh yes, funniest part of that movie was the splicing in of Kevin Costner from the bodyguard, like like actual just footage of him as if he were there on set with her. Right, yes. Because uh, you only get footage of her like sitting in a director's chair or whatever, learning her lines or something. Yeah, and she's, so they she's sort of just with um, Clive. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yes, that is very funny. And actually, how awarded is Kevin Costner? I only think of, I only remember like Dances with Wolves. He won a Best Director Oscar for that, and then he was nominated uh-huh. for Best Actor too. And then that was the last of that. Did it, did that win Best Picture? Yes. Oh, I guess he won that too. Okay. Correct. I actually have okay. not a very good memory for who has a Best Picture Oscar. It's usually a bunch of people I don't know, but occasionally it's you know like Brad Pitt has won for Twelve Years a Slave or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit like we were talking about with Anna Kendrick, you know, with someone producing something. It's a movie comes up and then all of a sudden you see an actor, you know, on stage. Like, what was it when, uh, like Octavia Spencer being on stage for Green Book. Right. And she's, by the way, like yards down the stage. She's she's basically in East Hollywood. It makes no sense that she's even there. But by the way, speaking of Brad Pitt, you actually tweeted something that resonated with me, which is, it was so fucking weird to see all these people on stage seemingly make the same come-ons to Brad Pitt at this particular moment in popular culture. It was giving payola. Yeah. Okay? It was giving... It was like, like, we know that he's already got some of the papers in his pocket saying that, you know, Angelina Jolie is an awful person for trying to take him away from his kids. But this was giving... Did Plan B slip a bunch of people some money and just say, or say, we'll cast you if, or did their agents tell them, like, shout out Brad Pitt? Like, I was, Regina's made sense, you know, because Regina is older, you know, like, uh-huh. you know, like, like she's, she's been around in the same places as Brad Pitt, you know, like, that was sort of like an easy joke, you know, for her. But even so, it was sort of reminiscent of, like, her joke from the Oscars, which I thought was funnier. The you one know, like where the she Jason was like Momoa hitting on one. everybody and like patting everybody yeah. down and stuff. Yeah. That one. That one was funnier there. But this, and then I was like, who made my girl Quinta? 
That was Shout great. out Brad Quinton Pitt. Brunson, huh? And then the person who presented with Salma Hayek at the end, too. It, it felt like yeah. a very conveniently diverse panel of people approving of Brad Pitt. Him sitting in the front with his grin, you know, like giving prime, like Taylor Swift at a music awards show seating. <laughs> yes. The camera kept cutting the Brad. Um, but speaking of uh, my girl, Quinta, um, shout out to someone from BuzzFeed winning a globe oh, last right. night. Yes. But also, fuck the globes for making Quinta walk from Timbuktu. <laughs> <laughs> to get to the stage. And I'm like, first of all, she is tiny. Like, she, right. she was just like a tall actor, you know, like a TV actor, like striding up there. Like, she's wearing this big dress. She's wearing heels, too. She's getting up there. And then did it also seem like the walkway from the way that she came up? It seemed like it was tiny. Yes, right. Like, she was squeezing up it. I was like, who's helping her? Also, well, I mean, that calls to mind Jennifer Coolidge coming to the stage from the back, which I believe took one year. Um, I was, I was like, <laughs> will she get there? Wow. It's like the Oregon Trail. Um, I was worried dysentery would get her before she got to the yeah. mic. <laughs> I know that you have to separate TV and film people for whatever reason, but you would think the big shows, like the nominated ones, like the, like the ones you think are going to win, like would be towards the front. Yeah, like I would right. think White Lotus, Abbott Elementary would be sort of towards the front. That, you know? that is, by the way, a hilarious thing about the Golden Globes, though, because it's a big room of tables. People are necessarily like people who are going to win awards have to be further back, just spatially. If you remember um, Jacqueline Bissett's crazy win for whatever TV movie <laughs> she did, she gave that crazy speech, and she walked. It, it had to have been a football field worth of distance from the back to the front. <laughs> she gets lost backstage, like fully. She's like tangled up with producers trying to get to the mic. It's so funny. What truly stressed me out as a person who um, extended amount of times of people like watching you try to do a simple task make me makes me anxious. Yeah, like the, seeing people w watching me walk to the stage that long would stress me the fuck out. Oh, like no. I'd be sweating. I, fully, you're gonna fall or something. When, like when Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> fell at that Oscars, I know it was sort of seen as like the ultimate adorable moment. That is also truly the number one nightmare. Yeah, that's why men always help people up. Right. You know? And shout out also to Colin for helping Jennifer Coolidge up while Brad Pitt just sat there with his teeth. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Jennifer Coolidge, twice she went up to that mic. One of them was uh, she ended up giving a really heartfelt tribute to Mike White, of course, creator of The White Lotus, Survivor alum. He was crying. Yeah, oh, my God. Was, that was beautiful. You, you love seeing a faggot love an actress. I mean, come on. <laughs> How often do you get that? Like, Ryan Murphy was not even shedding any tears, and Mike White, Mike White, who has worked with Jennifer Coolidge now for years, just weeping. It was awesome to see. But Jennifer Coolidge, she really took her time at the mic, and you were, in, in a way that made you worried for a second, you're like, does she, yeah. does she have a complete joke here? Is something about to happen? And man, did she fucking deliver. I was like holding my face, shrieking at how funny she was. She, I mean, I, 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 I tweeted something about this, but she really is out there being Jennifer Coolidge 100% of the time. You know, if, you, if she has to buy like whatever, <laughs> something at the store, you know she's going to say something kind of quizzical and strange under her breath to the person behind the counter. And you know, <laughs> you know like just whatever's on her mind. Okay, and now I've got to go. <laughs> just that strange, faraway, pensive, <laughs> bamboozled thing about her. 
And this came to me last night while she was doing that. You know what I really want to see for Jennifer Coolidge? Here we go. Her starring as a detective in oh, like sure. a Columbo kind of mystery. Like just her doing her Jennifer Coolidge thing and all the suspects are confused as fuck. And then she's like, oh, he's the killer. Yes. Yeah, he's the killer. That's a little um, <laughs> original recipe, Miss Marple, uh, Margaret Rutherford. Yeah. She was a little bit like, oh, let me get all my shit together, you know. But you're right, Jennifer Coolidge, that uh, third act turn where she actually knows what's going on would play really well. By the way, which reminds me, Natasha Leone did a funny bit where she was talking about uh, on stage, I just wish people would get cut to the quick on these award shows. And she took 20 minutes to say that. <laughs> she looks so fucking good. Uh, I love her look. Love her look. Um, and also, it feels like in the past five years, she really has acquired film noir abilities. She just, everything yes, out of her mouth yes. seems like it's from the 40s. And now she's starring in this she's new a Ryan dame. Johnson detective show. I cannot <laughs> wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. Poker Face looks like really fucking good. And yeah. I'm glad that he's doing something fun that's on TV that's like, but like something that he really wants to do, like in his fucking wheelhouse. Yeah. So definitely. Um, I, I stand them and their friendship. And I love whenever I get to run into her because she's, um, like besties with um Janixa Bravo. So oh, um, cool. Natasha Leon is like fantastic. Um, now speaking of accents and what has happened to people's voices, can we diagnose Austin Butler? What the fuck is happening there? Hey, you mean uh <laughs> Austin Butler? Uh, th- th- thank you all for uh, giving me this award. I th- he is from Anaheim. <laughs> Sir, you okay. are not from Graceland. You are from Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> I, you, I actually find it hilarious that he is sticking the landing even more than like Lady Gaga. Yes, like, right. He is hardcore. He is. This is full Madonna level. This is his voice now, and it is never going away. Right. No. It's again. It's yeah. It's that moment when Madonna met Rupert Everett. There was no going back. She simply was. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's funny. I like. I think it's funny. I like. I don't think it. Uh, I hate it. Like some of the. Um, that's why I deleted most of my um, award show tweets because like someone put out. Someone put mine. I think like the New York Post did in uh, an article that was like audiences hate Austin Butler's cringe um, voice, and I was like, first of all, I don't call anything cringe. I've never said that word. Yeah, the cheapest shot you can take. I think that was one of your keep it's once. Yes, I hate that word. It's it's so condescending and it's so like, I'm cool, they're not. It's like, so you live in fear of being embarrassed all the time. Got it, moving on. Yeah, and it's not cringe. It's just, it's funny. It's it's non it's it's Sabrina Carpenter nonsense. Okay. Yes, right, right, right. It's just so surprising. Just because to me, Elvis is he's obviously a a real person a popular figure but also such a character like i can't imagine actually having elvis qualities in real life you know (laughs) uh but shout out to him you know like that is a that's a really fun hollywood story to be honest you know because austin butler is an actor that nobody was thinking about him ever being in like a prestige film Right, let, let alone this quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and now it looks like he's going to win an Oscar. Right, So, right. shout out to him. Um, speaking of, the four main categories um, for films, you know, we had Austin Butler winning. Uh, we had Michelle Yeoh winning. 
Um, we had Angela Bassett winning. We which had, is interesting because um, I didn't. I don't. I yes. don't know that I was assured she was at an actual Oscar contender before. But it the supporting actress is so weird this year. It's so nebulous. Who's even cons- who's in the running? It's a lot of people who you like the performance, but you don't really know of them as celebrities. Very Alicia Vikander mm-hmm. energy in this in the category yeah. this year. <laughs> you know? I would love to see Angela Bassett in Tomb Raider. Your lips to God's ears, please. <laughs> okay. Um, An Aliens reboot with Angela Bassett. There we go. Yeah. Uh, or really just a Strange Days sequel. Come on Jeez. in, Catherine yeah. Bigelow. Um, and then Ki Hui Kwan also won for Everything Everywhere. And what I kind of love about the Globes is they're really sort of like you get into someone's story a bit more. Yeah. And I just hearing more about, you know, how he had stopped acting for years and then, you know, seeing um, Michelle Yeoh in Crazy Rich Asians, he was like, maybe I want to give it a try again. And then, like, being in this movie with her and then getting this award. Like, I feel like the Globes, like, are really good at setting up sort of a narrative for someone to go to the Oscars, which can sort of um, shake up um, the preconceived sort of um, narratives that we have for everyone else. Um, yeah. So, like, I think that he could potentially win. I think that... Yeah, I wasn't thinking about Angela Bassett winning, but now I'm like, it definitely feel like she feels like she has to be nominated for Black Panther for an Oscar, and also people fucking love Angela Bassett, and right. I feel like she dipped into that history of like last time I was on this stage was Love Got to Do with It, you know, and I think that like everyone is thinking about the fact that like yeah, she is an actress who should have tons of. Oscar statuettes at home and right. does not. No, so I think a, people would be happy to give her one. Yeah, this would only be her second nomination, which is really crazy. But you're right. Like, also, that's her movie, by the way. I mean, yeah, you come away thinking of anybody, it's her, right? Um, Ki Hui Kwan, I mean, after that speech, you would be crazy not to nominate him. You know, it's like he belongs on that stage at this point. I think something the Golden Globes will always have, not over the Oscars, but as an appeal is the speech is there and obviously alcohol helps this really have the nature of like <laughs> best man made of honor, you know, like, let me just, t- I'm, I'm so excited to gush about this project or this person or whatever. And it feels off the cuff mm. and a little spontaneous and a little off the rails. Whereas the Oscars are about you talking to God, you know, it's like, yes. here I am with my values and I'm going to declare them and, you know, absolve me of my sins, you know? Yes. Uh, so it's a little bit more down to earth, if you will. I'll always think of Joaquin Phoenix in that fucking amazing Joker speech at the Globes. And then going to the Oscars and, I don't know, talking about um, veganism. (laughs) Right. There's a a difference in tone that occurs. Um, I mean, one of the great Golden Globe speeches is when Emma Thompson won the screenplay uh, Globe for Sense and Sensibility. She delivered it as Jane Austen. Like, I think it was Jane Austen writing to Emma Thompson or something, but it was so mm-hmm. funny. And so something that would seem very kitschy at the Oscars, but at the Golden Globes, there's this anything goes vibe. So it's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, truly anything goes with the HFPA. And I love how that woman sauntered out at the end. It's like, girl, hide your face. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't declare yourselves now. Yeah. Um, interesting that the Fablemans won best picture which i don't know that i would have predicted i i that would have been like third on my list of in that category when i said i saw it though yeah when i said i saw that film 
I was shocked the amount of people who had never told me that I had to go see it. But when I said I'd seen it, the amount of people who were in my DMs and responding to me that they fucking love that oh, film interesting. was shocking. Mm-hmm. I think there's a groundswell of support for this film. But it's interesting because Michelle Williams just missed the SAG nomination. And I'm thinking about yeah. her performance. And I, I, as I've said on the podcast, like not really a fan of it. But I feel like maybe the problem is whether you like it or not, as the movie's going along, you are, it is about her. Like, you're thinking about her. But then the movie shifts. And I think for that reason, afterwards, you're not thinking about her as much as maybe the movie wants you to. So it's a little bit easier to forget, especially when you compare it to Anna de Armas, where that movie is just the, the closest shot on her, you know? Yeah. And uh, no, it was interesting, too, that after we'd recorded, um, Spielberg brought up Cassavetes in his yeah. speech when he won. Because, you know, I was thinking about Cassavetes. I'm like... The working with Rollins all the time. And I was like, you know, like, I think that I still think that, like, Michelle Williams has an amazing performance that does not fit in a Steven Spielberg film. Yeah. Right, right, right. I think that performance works with a different director, a, di- a director who's making a different kind of film. But, you know, that because that performance, yeah, it dips out towards the end. But a performance like that needs to, like, keep going higher and higher and higher yes. and, like, take us to this, like, big sort of like um crescendo and it really doesn't like she has nothing to do with the end of the movie right it doesn't intensify i think you're right and also additional like for example if you think of patricia arquette in boyhood obviously she won for that movie that's somebody who gets a big speech at the end you know somebody who's like and what's it all about you know basically summing up the movie for us and michelle williams forgot to sum up the movie for us yeah, I mean, she could have um, leaned into Gabriel and said, uh, you can exhale now. <laughs> oh, my God. Love Spielberg. Her gay son. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we did, I did, we did talk about this, but um, in The Fablemans, I loved David Lynch's cameo. Oh, I meant to bring that up. By the way, I did not identify him immediately, and I knew it was somebody, and I guessed Peter Bogdanovich, but it wasn't. It's David Lynch. Yeah. And... One of my favorite Spielberg endings with him walking after hearing that, you know, like that advice and then the camera adjusting the frame. Yes, to, that was Adjusting cute. the horizon. I thought that was really cute. I thought that was sweet. I was like, oh, like I like when Spielberg has fun with his form. Also, if we're going to compare endings that tout a love of movie making see how that was succinct and like you knew exactly what he was doing. And it was a big <laughs> the opposite of what occurs in Babylon. The, like, spiral Uh, you go down, literally, of celluloid. Like, you're watching it spiral as you sit there waiting for the movie to end. And then after it revisits not only all of cinema, but the entire movie you just saw. Anyway. Also, Avatar. Avatar is in the movie. (laughs) Oh, 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 wait. Here's a faggy thing. I will say about um, Babylon. So they revisit Singing in the Rain in the movie. Which, if you're watching, when you're watching Babylon... You already know the parallels. This doesn't need to be drawn out. But they take a real moment to focus on Gene Hagen's performance in Singing in the Rain. <laughs> and by the way, that's a very famous loss in that category. They play enough of her performance yeah. here that I honestly think she should compete again. I think Gene Hagen should be in the <laughs> <running>. <laughs> I think she could take Carrie uh, Condon. 
I mean, nobody says I can't stand them like her. You right. know, oh, like I, I love her. Stand. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I think also what hurts hurt hurt that performance in retrospect is it's the year after Judy Holiday won for Born Yesterday, which is like the feature length version of that performance. Yeah, that it was very odd to be like this movie is basically Singing in the Rain, and then here is Singing in the Rain. <laughs> in case you to didn't remind get you it. of yes. Singing in the Rain is also a better film. So right. yeah, see, you have to watch out. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't help. <laughs> you know, that'd be like at the end of Shape of Water, they just watched Splash. <laughs> that would have been cute. Um, speaking of acting categories, um, I thought it was fucked that they combined so many categories. I, like, yeah. we got to a point where, like, you know, when, uh, when, Ju- like, when Julia Garner won for Ozarks, it's like, Okay, like I, I love that she won. Um, you know, because people seem to love Ozarks. Uh, I haven't seen it, and I never will. But um, <laughs> I was. Uh, wait, did she win for Ozarks or Anna Delvey? Ozark, and it was it, okay. And she, by the way, like won the Emmy last time too. This is a real yeah. Temple Grandin situation where I feel like she's been winning <laughs> for one performance for over seven years. Yeah, but there was, you know, her winning, but because they combined like the comedy and drama for supporting people like you had like you know like shirley ralph and you know like um janelle james like there and it's like okay but they're great and deserve like a win too you know it's very weird the to... combining mm-hmm. of categories well particularly if you're going to give the space for the lead actors to like divide into genres like to to group everybody <laughs> in supporting like that is, is is strange but obviously that's what the oscars do so yeah uh and then speaking of combining categories it was just sort of like it felt sort of like a um, foreshadowing, you know, of what would happen, you know, if you combine the actor and actress categories, too. You know, like, mm-hmm. it was great. To, it was actually great seeing Emma Darcy, um, um, seeing them on the red carpet talking to Lonnie Love. Uh, and Emma had this, you know, sort of, like, really funny uh, and sort of poignant speech about how, um, you know, once they started to accept that they didn't have to present as a woman, um you know, life opened up for them. This role opened up for them. But then also, like, right when that happens, they're nominated for Best Actress in yeah, House right. of Dragon, which is funny. But then also, shout out to House of Dragon winning nothing. And then all of a sudden getting that award at the end. And only three right. of them walking up there. It was truly like they were like, huh? Yeah, confused. Very uh, <laughs> Grand Hotel winning best de- per- movie in 1932 and nothing preceding it. Um, I, I was interested in who, by the way, didn't show up to the Golden Globes. Like Kate Blanchett wasn't there. Zendaya wasn't there. Kevin Costner obviously yeah. wasn't there. And I just want to say about Kate Blanchett, I just saw you at the Palm Springs Film Festival like a week ago. So don't tell me, <laughs> don't tell me you didn't do this on purpose. Also, in her speech... She, she said, was, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> in her speech at the Palm Springs... Uh, uh, film competition or whatever it's called. She mm-hmm. talks about how she was almost late because Jamie Lee Curtis insisted on repacking her bag. And then she said, cause we're driving back tonight. Excuse me. Jamie Lee Curtis and Kate Blanchett were on the highway back to LA from Palm Springs. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not the kind of person who says like, that should be a one act play guys. That should be a one act play. What the fuck? I should be watching that right now. That's giving Ingrid goes west. Okay, yeah. that's that's giving that's giving. I I would love to see that. Oh, speaking of Jamie Lee Curtis, just packing, repacking her bag. Would she repack Kate Blanchett's bag or her own bag? I think Kate Blanchett's. Okay, well, you know that. Don't tell TSA that. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Caitlin? Have you did you pack your bag yourself? Actually, Jamie Lee Curtis did it. <laughs> but that's actually the worst person. Yeah. When we're right <laughs> uh, did it not seem like Jamie Lee Curtis just drunkenly wandered on stage during the Eddie Murphy tribute? Because that was very there, there strange. Was, Tra- like Tracy Morgan giving this beautiful, you know, like sort of like speech, you know, yeah, about how much camera. Eddie Murphy means to him. And then also that great like pull out joke about like how many kids he has. And then you see the montage of Eddie Murphy's roles. Uh, a lot of Norbit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was also, by the way, every Eddie Murphy role. Every. Yes. Yeah. And after the montage, Jamie Lee Curtis is just out there. She's like. Remember when we did trading places in 1983? And he's like trying to mouth something to her, but she can't hear. And everyone's just like, yeah, can we wrap this up? (laughs) Right. Also, it's like, right, I remember that movie you did together. Not sure that means you should be giving the tribute right here, but all right, whatever. I guess you're there anyway. Not, not sure they ever saw each other again after that movie. She did say, she goes, the first time we worked together, I was like, did I miss a Halloween sequel where Eddie appeared? Was he in True Lies? Yeah. Like, no, Jamie, that was uh, LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> not Eddie Good Murphy. Guess. Good guess. Yes. Uh, anybody could have been up there to present something to him. Um, also, I love that people use the stage to shout out Rihanna constantly, yes. but she never did any damn thing at the awards. <laughs> no. Yo, she was just me. chilling. She just sat there? Right. She's and just she, chilling. She's like reading the program. She's like, what the hell is RRR? That just one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that song like, is, is awesome. Is that, I haven't seen that movie yet. But uh, yeah. I have it either. RRR is like her album. That's, yeah. she's like, that's what she's going to name it now. Um, <laughs> also, the worst thing Gerard Carmichael did was telling Rihanna to take her time on that album. Okay. We've already got, we've already got Beyonce um, pretending she's Rihanna now. And not yeah, releasing right. anything that she's promised. We can't, we can't have, like, there needs to be new music around the Super Bowl. Also, I believe the time has been taken. I mean, I'm just looking at my watch. Also, I mean, at this point, it's giving Fran Lebowitz's third book. That's what it's giving. <laughs> 1979 was the last waiting? one? Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> is that how long we've been waiting for a new Fran book? I feel yeah. like a new Fran book is always coming out. And every time you go and look at it at the bookstore, um, it's just repackaged interviews that she's already had before. Right. Like, this no. is a scam. No, one time it was literally the two books I wrote in the 70s. Now they're together. It's like, you know what? They weren't hard <laughs> to find separately before. So I'm not really sure what's going on here. You know what? Joan Didion pulled that scam a lot. <laughs> right. Yes. We tell ourselves so. stories in order to make money. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will say about this award show, though, and our friend Chris was talking about this, too. This award season does feel pretty muted. I don't know that it's that like a movie like Avatar or Top Gun isn't like dominating the conversation, something that everybody saw, but it does feel like there's a lack of particular oomph this year that we're having to make up for in the Oscars loving community. And I hope it happens. And by the way, it it, it should happen too. And I can say this now because I am writing for the Academy Awards this year. Um, So you better all watch because I'm writing some of those damn jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, yeah. Shout out to, um, let me say shout out. Um, 
Yeah, the entire ceremony just seemed very, we're just hanging out. Yeah. There's no glitz and glamour. And it's, uh, you know, part of it's maybe, oh, are people still sort of, you know, not really going in because of, you know, we're, we're still coming out of um, the pandemic and lockdown, you know, and like we don't want people to feel like, you know, we're, we're doing too much excess, you know? I mean, too much excess is why Babylon flopped at the box office. That's right. So. Yes. You sounded like a Sunday school teacher there. <laughs> too much roller. excess <laughs> <laughs> but anyway overall like a pretty fine award show that was presented on tuesday evening at 5 p.m yes no i literally had the thought maybe i'll just uh, watch it later not live since it's so early in the night because i had other things to do glad i watched it live it was a solid golden globes and a, a return to form not that we're all obsessed with yeah. the hfpa again or whatever but it was very watchable often very funny we were like screaming at the tv at certain moments so yeah um oh last before before we end this, we must address the Ryan Murphy tribute. Oh yes, interesting. Do you, my, my feeling is, <laughs> did it not feel like he pitched that as like a, a segment to the HFPA because it was very yeah. like, like, what if I talk about all the queer and POC I've worked with in my lifetime? It just <laughs> felt convenient somehow. Yeah, I will say the one benefit was that he really sort of shouted out all of those people that he's worked with. It you was know? a great like speech. That, I thought that was lovely. Uh, and I really loved him, um, you know, making, um, I really loved him asking um, Michaela J uh, to stand up so that she could get her standing ovation that she didn't get that was cool. from last year's Globes when it didn't air. That was really sweet. Um, but it, it's just, it's so weird that we're in this era where like now because he's done all this, um, you know, like people have done sort of like a 180 on Ryan Murphy, only in that they love how he supports queer and people of color. Yeah. You know, right. mm-hmm. um, no one's really done a 180 on the quality of all of his work, but it is successful. So right. it is it is just a a 180 from how there used to be just like industry jokes about Ryan Murphy circa Glee. You yes. know, uh, I this reminds me of a conversation I had with my friend Andrew Cologne once who's, who goes, uh, the 1979 Death on the Nile. That's a great movie. And I said, is it a great movie or is it a star-studded movie? And that's how I feel about a lot of <laughs> Ryan Murphy productions. <laughs> but star-studded <laughs> is important. We love star-studded, yeah. you know? Um, everyone works with him. Yeah. You know, so he, yeah, he must fun. be fun, you know? Jessica yeah. Lang, when you uh, watch interviews about Ryan Murphy that she's given, I mean, like, it's not just that she's thankful. She fucking loves him, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he's he's keeping Angela Bassett employed, okay? So right. I'll always love that man. Um I need a Nip Tuck reboot. Nip Tuck is there was, there was a always lack in of the top Nip-tuck. tier of what he's done. Always. The attitude of that there's show a, was second yeah. to none. Yeah. There was a lack of Nip Tuck in that montage, and I think that there's a lot more to say about plastic surgery now. Right. Especially since it's so you know? much better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know you've had your buccal fat removed. Oh, yes. Place right under my tits. Yes. <laughs> Where it belongs. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Shout out to Ryan Murphy. Great, great Hollywood makeover. You know who else has had a really good Hollywood makeover? M. Night Shyamalan. 
<laughs> That's another one. Yes. I just was sitting in the the, the knock at the cabin um, trailer airing before Megan. And I remember when a film by M. Night used to used to be met with groans. Yes. Remember, they basically hid his name when um, Devil came out. <laughs> That's so funny. And now it's sort of like, oh, he's back. So... Because we're basically all that old person at the beach or whatever that movie was now. (laughs) That's us. That's America. And making making a movie with two gay leads. So shout out to that too. Which I think has never been. uh, uh, It's frequent in porn. Rarely in regular cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In in, uh, a cabin in the woods um, in an OnlyFans um, video. There's 20 being shot right now. That's basically its own genre. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, this is our bonus episode. So I hope, you, hope you all enjoyed our Globes rundown. And we will see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III, that's me, and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroot, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for production support every week. And as always, keep it as filmed in front of a live studio audience. If someone were afraid of the dentist, maybe they haven't been in a long time, maybe they're embarrassed because they haven't been in a while, I feel like this would be a really safe place for them to go and get the care that they need. At Advanced Dentistry, we get it. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, if you want to learn how IV sedation can change your life, visit nofeardentist.com. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side.